Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We're your hosts. Andy, who's scared by that spooky voice you made. <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, covering Star Brand Annual number one. And Steven, with also Star Brand Annual number one. Started in 19... <laughs> Sorry. Started in 1986, the new universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably-ish realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Eight new comic series launched in one month set in our world in 1987. Now, as we close out the first year, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except for a few secret agencies, which are mostly the CIA. With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. We have a website, kickersinc.com, which has various um, new universe-related uh Amusements, as well as we can put them up, uh, including the Super Sleuth Sweepstakes, which is still available from Season 2. Um, the new Season 3 contest is actually, uh, we have a draft form, so be on the lookout for that going live any day now. Um, we have a Twitter account, at Kickers Inc., to let you know of our upcoming uh, releases and we'd also like to give a shout out to our friends over at the marvel comics new universe fans facebook fan page who have been big supporters of the show and uh are always uh have some uh interesting uh, new universe content to chat about and maybe it's our 50th episode too what <laughs> we really been doing this this long <laughs> almost dead this old man beard is like okay. yeah well I mean they can't see our old man beards so like they're really long and impressive just imagine that <laughs> <laughs> but it looks exactly like we do every day also so anyway right. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah this week uh, we are covering Starbrand uh, every man Ken Connell was given a power called the star brand under mysterious circumstances, but wanting to help others, also afraid to expose himself, Connell struggles to grow up and find use for the brand's unlimited power while dating many, many available women. Uh, and this week, no difference, right? This fits that to a <laughs> T. Uh, the annual number one, the only star brand annual we will likely ever get. Uh, Ken Connell, Keeper of the Star Brand, this is the solicitation, is caught up in the middle of a fight of love, jealousy, international espionage, and murder in the Swiss Alps. And he Ooh. discovers that his best friend is perhaps his worst enemy. Written by Bobby Chase, penciled by Jeff Isherwood, not sure how many Fs should be on Jeff Isherwood, and inked mm. by Art Nichols. Jeff uses that British spelling, so it's always throwing me off a little. Yeah, G-E-O-F-F, -F, Geoff. Um, the short version from the old 
uh, announcements in the checklist is, is the power of the star brand too much for Ken Connell to handle? It could spell death for someone he loves. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. And we'll be double teaming these annuals as they are giant sized. Woo. They're taking it easy going through the four annuals that came out, still in the order they were produced, but without the regular issues appearing that month. And we'll start month 13 uh, for the continuing series um, after the annuals. So, yeah, they uh, this, I believe, came out the same week as the last DP7 Injustice, which you can imagine... Um, 80 pages of comics to go through in one show would have been a bit much for uh... <laughs> no one would finish that episode <laughs> that's what I'm thinking at least or it would be helpful for sleepy time or something like that is it uh, finished yeah, downloading a... yet? no? <laughs> what? this is a really big issue not like an important issue but it's just big it's heavy it's two comic books stapled together it's a large uh, issue with a, a lot, uh, but pretty much one complete story. So that kind of works. Uh, yeah, let's, let's best not waste too much time uh, yammering if we've got 4,000 pages of comic to cover. Uh, but yeah, Starbrand Annual number one, uh, cover date October 87, um, and came out July 7th, 1987. Um, this is sort of a standalone issue, so we don't necessarily need a huge recap. Uh, on our cover, we've got our new universe, but underneath it, a nice little giant-sized annual logo. Um, and our cover is basically Ken Connell in his brown... You know, if Starbrand has a uniform, it's kind of that brown outfit that he got from the old man. Uh, but here he's on skis, uh, blasting a... Uh, snowmobile with two guys kind of flying off of it. You know, it looks like he's protecting some woman who looks kind of like Duck when I was guessing, Because, but uh, we find that it is not. It's a totally new person as far as that goes. So yeah, they're out on the ski slopes. Uh, kind of like a James Bond thing, like they get chasing with, with the snowmobiles or something. Yeah, I definitely got a, a feeling there was like some bond influence or it was meant to evoke a bond feeling or something throughout this anytime you've got guys shooting at you and you're on skis running away from them that's i don't know that's several of them uh, <laughs> the spy who loved me starts off like that um from from russia with love um uh, i gotta go back and watch some of those old old ones yeah I don't have a, a good bond. Experience. Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So yeah, uh, inside the book, the title of the story is Intimate Enemies. So again, we, we get some clue as to what's going on. Uh, Bobby Chase is the writer. Uh, Jeff Isherwood, penciler, and Art Nichols as inker. Uh, notably, again, we're still listing Jim Shooter as editor-in-chief here, even though we know he's been... Uh, bounced from Marvel Comics and no longer working there whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, probably was involved to some degree in uh, in this one, though I'm not sure how close uh, as far as that went. But uh, yeah, basically we open with the big splash page, uh, a look into the sky with a big Swiss Air 747-ish looking plane. 
Um, and you can kind of make out a small figure flying above it, which we safe bet Ken Connell says somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, too bad I have to keep my speed down to fly close to this flying boat. Uh, and it is always such a nuisance getting lost and keeping out of sight. I wonder what the pilot would do if he could see me now. Could be fun. I could be witness to the world's first DC-10 loop-the-loop. <laughs> nah, I can't afford the publicity. Boy, uh, what a man has to put up with just to see his best friend, even if the man can fly. So in previous uh, issues of the book, you know, yeah, we, we've kind of dealt with the fact that just because you can fly doesn't mean you have a GPS and you know where everything is. So Ken would have like a flashlight and a map and things like that. It's not always easy to find things. Uh, but yeah, he's flying alongside a plane in order to get to where he's going, um, which apparently he's faster than a plane. So as far as that goes. And so we get some, we get some introduction here uh, to six years. That's how long it's been since I've seen Tony Craft a new character so you know snap up this book first appearance of tony craft <laughs> uh, he says and to get a letter all of a sudden two plane tickets two plane tickets and a dear kenny i'm dying to see you but not enough to leave switzerland for pittsburgh so here's an offer you shouldn't refuse is this duck talking um and he's so that's right. what makes me think that like the duck talk was like a an attempt at a Pittsburgh accent, but yeah. I, I've never heard anyone pronounce it that way recently. So it's kind of a lost art to me, but anyway, I guess, yeah. Shoot. If anybody's got some 1980s Pittsburgh dialect knowledge, let us know. He's <laughs> uh, like, he's right. It's going to be great to getting, getting away from everybody who knows about the star brand's power for a while, which is, honestly like nobody really right you know duck, well, and, duck myron. and myron yeah and i mean i guess he hangs out with them a lot i don't know <laughs> but it's funny that like usually it's like the the hero has kept a, a secret from everyone Cannon's is like the reverse he told immediately told uh, like everyone he knew except for his like other girlfriend and right <laughs> so then now they constantly Hey, Kenny, can you come uh, fly go uh, Disneyland with me or something? <laughs> Duck never said that. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh. So it doesn't seem to really amount to anything, but like the next panel where he's landing uh, by the airplane looks like it's been kind of like edited or something. Like all of the narration boxes have like different sized text, uh, but like, nothing really stands out like that they were to add something in. Um, or why you would want to add like one of these boxes. Um, so, so yeah, but yeah, just, it, it's noticeably like a different font size. If you were, maybe they just forgot something or, you know, fell off and, and uh, when it got to processing and they had to kind of fix it. Uh, but yeah, basically um, he gives a little background, you know, that, you know, uh, he was this Tony craft guy. He was always close, uh, presumably growing up. Uh, he says he was a little bit neurotic all through school, but now he's made something of himself. He's an Olympic ski champ. Um, so he lands in Zurich, in Zurich uh, makes fun of um, airport security in 1987. Uh, a little, okay. 
Foreshadowing there. Yeah, give some ideas over to uh, Kamal and Bebrock over in uh, the last Merc there. But uh, <laughs> why it's so easy to get into the airports here. It's like a joke. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, interestingly, whether it amounts to anything, uh, not really, but you know, like he flies there. So he returned the tickets for the money and then flew there. <laughs> But then, like, he was going to pay his friend back. It's like, so you could have just rode the plane. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so so he arrives. Um, little Jenny Swenson cameos walking by in front of him as he's in the airport there. Nice. Uh, and his, his friend flags him down. Um, it's like, great to see you. It's got somebody, somebody you need to meet. Uh, I was like, oh, it must be the girlfriend you raved about in your letter. I can't wait to meet her. I'm like, what were you thinking, man? Um, <laughs> I want you two to be good friends while you're here, but not too good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this ends up being kind of the crux of the story, but uh, it says, Ken Connell meet Ariane Poirot. <laughs> and she says, bonjour, Ken, welcome. And in her head, she's thinking, hmm, cute. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then this is probably the highlight of the book, really, for me. But it's like, oh, hi, a real pleasure to meet, be there here. And Ken's thinking in his head, gorgeous. <laughs> So honestly, it feels like it's been a while since we had good old Ken looking over the la- the ladies. <laughs> mm, that body, oh. yeah. always a pleasure. We've been dealing with all these sad orphan stories and stuff. It's missing the point. Dad, of the do you have a like hot older sister or anything, or even a babysitter <laughs> that's close to legal age? Anything? Like that? <laughs> no, just close, close enough, right? <laughs> Yeah, the uh, it's 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 good to see him back in form here. She's uh, she's got a beret. In case you didn't notice how like Frenchish she was yet, but well, um, I mean, it's just if she didn't have a beret, I would complain. She's uh, so it's yeah, nineteen eighty seven. So I guess people don't immediately think setting me up for a three way here. So <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> Uh, innocent yeah. times, innocent. Yeah, times. she's she's dark, long hair. Yeah, so you know, clearly the woman on the cover, although a little similar to what Duck looked like. Uh, hair is a little different as far as things go. Uh, but yeah, so they get in the car. Uh, Ariane drives. Um, you know, talk about their skiing stuff, and uh, yeah, Ken's basically wiped out. Um, which I'm not sure if flying makes him tired or whatnot. Um, his powers haven't necessarily taxed him in the past um but yeah basically he just kind of crashes out uh, in the back of the car they wake up and they're almost there uh they're going to zermatt z-e-r-m-a-t-t uh, which if the drawing looks just like like the postcard picture that's pretty much like on their website like it's just a picturesque yeah. like amazing looking swiss town <laughs> Uh, with the mountains in the background and a little town underneath kind of thing so oh wow yeah yeah it, okay. it's pretty it's pretty neat uh definitely a cool place it says oh a view of the world famous matterhorn you're gonna have to drag me out of here kicking and screaming because uh, he's a nature dude um so they get to her place uh she's sort of like a wealthy uh I don't know if it's heiress or something like that, but basically just you know, seems sort of independently wealthy, lives in this beautiful place, you know, dating a it's, Olympic ski guy. Yeah, that's um, 
that's my impression. She's like inherited wealth or something. So she has yeah. properties. Nice something, car. The car was hers too. Yeah. Something to make us serfs feel uh, inadequate. Just drive it in a little harder there. Uh, you know. Ouch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we cut to later. Um, you know, so sort of the end of the day, they're they're sitting by the fireplace. And uh, she's kind of laying there in like a nightgown and a robe that's kind of open, uh, but kind of cuddled up with uh, Tony Kraft, uh, who's honestly looking kind of miserable. Uh, but, you know, she's like, oh, you know, so used to how nice it is here. You know, it's a treat seeing it through your eyes. She's talking to Ken. And then in her head, your gorgeous eyes. Maybe I'm just attracted to <laughs> Americans. I hope Tony doesn't notice. Tony looks pretty angry, by the way. Uh, and he's thinking to himself as he's sipping his drink, he's like a chalet, a fire, and a girl. Too bad she's not over here. But uh, no, Tony's one of my oldest and closest friends. I better watch myself. Remember, remember Lisa. You really liked her, and I took her out. Never saw anybody get so angry over a girl. So, so part of their history is apparently, uh, you know, Ken swooping in on uh, Tony Bake, Tony Craft's action a little bit, and then basically out of the blue, he pulls the like rich guy rage move of like throwing his drink into the fireplace glass and all uh smashing it in there um like, what's wrong he's like oh nothing i'm tired that's all it's like oh and the pressure of the last few races but don't worry kenny open oh, i'm in great shape uh and tomorrow i'll give you the greatest workout of your lives so we can definitely count. not trying to kill you uh, no definitely not no murderous intent here and you know, we get a, a shot of him kind of in the foreground, but like shadowed as he's walking away thinking, well, Ken, some things never change. You sure you sure haven't. But this time things will be hands off. <laughs> so but he leaves them together and and basically on panel here, like they have done nothing to indicate, um, you know, that they're trying to sneak behind his back or or even sort of interested in each other. I mean, maybe he could have picked up on some signals, but. Uh, he's he's looking a little out of out of off base here. <laughs> yeah, uh, he. I don't know. It, yeah, so, it, it starts immediately. Is, is kind yes. Of <laughs> yep. Um, so, so yeah, they've met. Something seems a little suspicious. Um, Ken, uh, Ken gives it one last chance and offers her some more alcohol. Uh, she's like, "No, I should go to bed too." I was like, "Oh, okay, me too." Yeah. She shows him to his room, and as she's getting back in bed with Tony, uh, she's like, Tony, my love, I thought the jealousies were over, but it seems they're just beginning. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so, But they're supposed to be on vacation, so uh, they hit the slopes next morning. Uh, she's helping Ken put his uh, skis on. Um, that's going to go over well, I'm sure. Uh, uh, Craft basically kind of plays it off. You know what's the matter? I can't put on put him on yourself. Uh, it's like, well, when you let's hope you remember how to ski. See you amateurs at the bottom, right? So good job, ski champ, buddy, making fun of everybody who's not as good as an Olympic skier. <laughs> but so he takes off. Uh, Ken falls like flat on his face. Um, Again, you know, he's kind of leaving his girlfriend back there to help him out. So it feels like a bit of a setup. Uh, but Ken's not going to take that lightly. So he's kind of pissed. 
and uh, uses his star brand ability to just fly and pretend to ski. So he just kind of zooms past everybody, um, you know, sort of hovering two inches off the ground, what he says, which is actually kind of impressive, I guess, and kind of blasts past, every, blasts past everyone down the slope. Um, again, you know, this kind of sets off Ariane, who's like, uh, uh, French words, <laughs> Tony, what do you think of your friend? He skis as good as you, no? <laughs> um, that that's marvelous or something, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and so again, but we're getting the setup here. Tony's thinking to himself, we'll see about that. <laughs> dun dun dun. And then we cut to that night. Uh, and so it's implied that uh you know, he just kind of left them and uh, Ken and Ariane have been hanging out together most because he he took off. He's like, I've been out talking to my coach. What's it to you? Coach Kirby. Wait, what? <laughs> coach Kirby. Well, he hasn't he's in the off season, he does skiing coaching. <laughs> you gotta watch your form there, uh Tony. You gotta, you gotta your legs uh, right right stance. That's what's important. <laughs> so he says he has a race tomorrow and like and you two obviously don't need me night <laughs> uh, we cut to the race you know again he's he's really kind of forcing these two together uh what's up with that um and he's as he's skiing down to the finish line you know everything's looking kind of good uh but then he loses a ski takes a big tumble a big crash um she goes running to him you know are you all right and he just shoves her out of the way it's like ah one more follow-up like that and kiss the finals goodbye and my sponsor it's like or maybe because you're being a giant turd but you know as long as you win i guess tony baker um so she's starting to you know feel it a little more she's ken what should i do help me he keeps getting he just gets worse and worse um, and so we get a little bit of the backstory then. Um, again, uh, this is a few nights later, so they've had some more time. Uh, Ken and Ariane are together, uh, going to a restaurant. And she says, I love him, but I'm too young for a serious relationship. I thought we could be open, but Tony Hello, is. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> But Tony is. Ken, I wanted to bring you here to talk to you about how I have an open relationship. <laughs> That's what you do at Applebee's or whatever the Swiss Alps version <laughs> of Applebee's is. Mirabeau. <laughs> Mirabees. Uh, yeah, she said, I, I had an affair a few months ago and Tony went crazy. I thought he would kill me. I found out he even had me followed. He begged for my forgiveness and he has been better. But now. The looks are back. They look into each other's eyes. Yeah. Super dreamy. <laughs> so this is not a good situation for anybody, I guess, at this point. <laughs> uh, nobody's looking great. Uh, Ken's just kind of uh, walked himself into a, a bee's, like a hornet's nest type situation here. And he's like, I'm, I'm sure he would never hurt you. Uh, but then they actually notice him in the same restaurant, uh, drinking, uh, sitting at a table all hunched over, like, drunken sad sack style um it's like oh he gave up drinking months ago um, sure he did lady um but they come out to him it's like oh come home we've come to get you and he says the heck you did have a good time i said get lost <laughs> uh so uh tony craft has cte right like 
this is this would be sort of the modern explanation to a degree right he's like hot and cold like he's you know uh, violent at times for not necessarily particularly the good reasons he's a pro athlete i'm thinking he hit his head too many times that's an interesting theory um i mean the, yeah. the writer definitely wasn't thinking of that at the time but <laughs> there's some mental uh, problem i mean that's yeah I, I would say that like his issues are beyond like normal person's um situational you know uh jealousy or something this is like a person who engineers situations and then gets upset about them somehow when people fall into them yeah it's, got the a, it's a bit of a jerry springer like quality to the whole setup there <laughs> it's like i paid him to come here to see if you cheat on me with him i i don't know i remember um talking to people who have like gone to visit like a friend and like who is like married now or something. And they, you know, stay there for a day or two and suddenly things are so uncomfortable that they're like, (laughs) I gotta go. I'm going to get a hotel in town or something. uh, Yeah. Well, thanks for not making it that when I came to visit you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tony's Tony's a mess. Um, he's got some serious mood swings. Um, so yeah, we, again, he's always kind of like barging in on them. Uh, in this case, the, the two burgeoning lovers, Ken and Ariane are playing chess. <laughs> uh, but this time he's sort of unhappy mode. He says, sorry about uh, my lousy mood last night. You know, it was the race, the race was the problem. They're like, okay, it's okay. <laughs> well, why don't you come show us around the town? It's like, oh, I'd love to, but, uh, shoulder's a little sore, but yeah, maybe Ariane would love to show you around town. I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Just keeps forcing them together. Um, and so they talk a little more. You know, it's just as before, loving and then hateful. I don't know what to do. Um, Ken's kind of making excuses for him, but she's starting to get really worried. Um, she says, forget about it. I've, I've been promised a good time. How about a cable car ride to Klein Matterhorn? Fresh air might clear your head. Yes, a romantic cable car ride with the girlfriend of the jealous skier would be just what the doctor ordered. Um, <laughs> uh, but she actually says no. So I'm just like, ah, I think it's best if we shouldn't spend as much time together uh, while she's caressing his shoulder and walking away looking sad. Um, but uh, yeah, so Ken's a little smitten. Uh, that girl really gets to me. I don't know what it is. Walked into one terrific mess. Well, if she can't use the fresh air, I sure can. So as she walks away, he, he takes to the air, uh, you know, flies up, uh, doesn't need the cable car, I guess, um, and just kind of sits up on top of the mountain peak uh, thinking about it. Um, and again, he's kind of starting to figure it out. Maybe, you know, what if this was all Tony's idea? He brought me here as a test to see if Ariane would be faithful, like he had kind of stolen one of his old girlfriends, kind of sort of in the past. Um, not really the greatest move. Uh, he says, am I, Ken's thinking, am I getting paranoid? Am I getting as paranoid as she is? And it's like, oh, well, you know, just in case, you know, why take stupid chances? Uh, he lands at their cabin or her home, uh, but here's sort of a ruckus and breaks in on... Uh, basically Tony looking like he's about to hit her. Um, and so he's got a bottle, he's drunk uh, and 
as he's confronted, he spins around looking happy. He's like, oh, don't worry. We're just fooling around. And he takes a big drink. And you got those cool uh, cartoonish, like, drunk guy bubbles and and the things going around in his cool, cool, face. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> That's a pretty good look. There's, there's some nice attention to detail on uh, old drunken Tony Kraft knocking one back when he's already uh, a, a little far gone. Yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff Fisher, we're doing a good job in this issue. Um, yeah. yeah, I hope you got a uh, um, free ride to uh, Switzerland to get uh, for the artistic <laughs> reference. Yeah, artistic <laughs> reference. Maybe we can uh, ask him. I think he's on the Facebook fan page. <laughs> yeah. They give you a ticket. <laughs> Probably not. Um, uh, but yeah, Tony passes out basically right in Ken's arms. Uh, and this time it's Ariane's time to be mad. She starts screaming at Ken. This is your fault. He was fine before you got here. If you hadn't, it never would have happened. And she slams the door on him. <laughs> you get kind of a fun picture of him, like looking to the side, like, oh, <laughs> like I, I get to be the bad guy here. Um, <laughs> uh, but she stormed out the front door. Uh, Tony's knocked out, uh, but she's basically. Uh, just outside on the front porch, kind of hanging her head and grasping onto the, the support beam uh, on the deck. She's like, and he's thinking, hey, Tony treats her like dirt, but I could protect her. She should be mine. <laughs> oh, no. Ariane. Uh-oh. He touches her shoulder and she spins around and they kiss. And somebody's watching them through binoculars. <laughs> Don't cling to that support beam. Cling to me. <laughs> right <laughs> oh. so he is having them watched uh we cut back to tony with two hired goons and he's like kissing you sure <laughs> thing that i set up to happen has happened i'm so angry about it <laughs> uh, um so yeah this is it's happening again for the last time she's not gonna make a fool of me again not ever again do you understand me gentlemen it's like, no, we only agreed to watch Monsieur Kraft. It's like, don't be hasty, Francois. Maybe a contract killing would be good for business. <laughs> isn't quite when safe. we said watch, we were thinking of the three-way thing again. So, <laughs> but I see some good stuff. Gave, not... Yeah, some <laughs> spicy material we could sell on the market. But yeah. Uh, so, in not so many words, basically hires them to kill them off uh, for fifty thousand francs. Uh, which I'm assuming is somewhere near fifty thousand um, dollars. I thought it was like ten or twenty. It, I think yeah. a franc is about a quarter now, but I okay. can't imagine what it was in the, in the eighties. So sorry. seems like a deal. That's like a discount hit job, maybe. Maybe um, yeah. Now you don't have any insider knowledge on how much contract killings cost. Uh, none. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm more curious about the exchange rate now. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so the next day, of course, uh, our young lovers, Ken and Ariane, are without their hateful uh, boyfriend. Uh, they're out skiing on the or uh, figure skating, ice skating on the ice, ice skating on the ice. Man, that's redundant. Um, and, you know. Ken started to be kind of happy. He's like, I told you, all you needed was a little fresh air. Uh, but he notices behind the trees, two men with high-powered bows. So these French hitmen, apparently, they must be the discount version because they have crossbows. Um, 
It's a little out of date in 1986, guys. And I guess they're quiet. Um, but uh, he sees them before they shoot just in time to knock her out of the way. So basically like a Jack Magna Conti kind of body check. Um, and he takes the hit from the arrows, uh, but knocked her pretty hard. Uh, so she's kind of out of it. Uh, and uh, he runs over to her, uh, but she didn't really know what happened. She kind of missed the whole thing. Uh, so he kind of plays it off as if they just kind of crashed into each other. Uh, of course, as they walk back up to the house, uh, Tony's like, oh, you okay, kids? You got any arrows stuck in you or anything? <laughs> <laughs> I added that part, but I was like, I was like, oh, no, just a little skating accident. So like Ken's Ken's playing it cool for some reason, like kind of pretending like nothing happened. He's like, it wasn't supposed to be a little accident. Tony's thinking to himself and he basically walks over to the hitmen, um, like right where they did the hit. Um, again, sort of interesting that uh, Ken didn't spend a whole lot of time pursuing them because because he had sort of hurt Ariane. Um, but yeah, the two guys are just there smoking in the woods. It's like, oh, don't worry. It won't, it won't happen again. Just tell us when and where. Like, Tomorrow on the slopes. Don't blow it. <laughs> like We won't. We got two more arrows in our crossbow. <laughs> After that, we're done. But <laughs> we, we also have like one of those balls with the spikes on it at the end of a chain we'll we'll try that if the crossbow doesn't work anymore this this, that's the deal sealer there yeah Um, let's just assume a franc is about a dollar right it's i I can't get a good uh uh, answer so let's just assume it's a reasonable amount of money but that's fair so the goons are francois and something i don't think we ever got a name for the other hired goon I don't I don't remember one. Yeah. But uh, undaunted by the assassination attempt, Ken goes back out uh, hanging out with uh, all three of them together this time. Um, oh, John. Oh, uh, did we get a name? Oh, yeah, John. Yeah. Um, but it looks as they're skiing, it looks like uh, Tony starts kind of hanging back and Ken again notices some assassins. This time they just start opening fire on them. So, you know, no. No uh, sneaking around this time, <laughs> as far as that goes. And he says, yeah, don't worry, I'll protect us. And you know, where's Tony? Um, and he looks back and basically notices the, the two goons are on a, a snowmobile uh, with Tony skiing behind them. So they're basically all together uh, going after, like, not the most careful hit set up as far as that goes. Um want you to kill them and i'm going to be staying like five feet away from them and uh i'll be obviously not afraid of you so they'll know that you know i'm with you anyway you ready to go good okay yeah yeah. (laughs) he's all but like holding on to their uh uh, snowmobile to like propel himself on his skis and and so ken's like i thought they were after the star brand how could i have been so stupid it was tony he was trying to kill us uh, but he's my friend. I can't hurt him. I can't use my powers, not in the open like this. Uh, but they're catching up. Uh, he wants to protect the girl. Uh, they, they sort of uh, closing in, taking aim. And uh, Ken yells, Tony, call him off. But basically fires laser beams out of his hands and blows up the snowmobile um, and causes an avalanche over the top of them just to kind of seal the deal. Um, again, I'm not sure this was a power that Ken had. Uh, not that can, specific. Yeah, like blasting out of his hands isn't 
quite what he does, but I can imagine it's it close it, as an extension. Yeah, it's, it's like you're kind of explained him to someone, and they started writing the story. They might come up with this description. That sounds about right. Okay, let's take a quick break and then come back and cover the rest of the comic. So, so yeah, that, that just happened. We've got assassination attempt gone wrong. Tony and hired goons zapped. Uh, all of them buried under an avalanche. And we end with, uh, in chapter one, we end with Ariane saying, what, what, what? And uh, Ken's thinking, I've caused an avalanche. They've all been buried. Tony must be dead. The star brand killed him. Star brands don't kill people. Can people kill people? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the way you ex- rationalize everything, Ken. Yeah, right. Star brand's fault. <laughs> uh, so we pan away on the giant mound of snow, and and he's like, "No, I killed him." End of chapter one. And he's just thinking this. He isn't saying it to Ariane, I guess. That's true. Ken, uh, what's going on? Uh, uh, nothing. I killed him. <laughs> I killed him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's... Uh, yeah, so she's... I'm not sure if she's just looking the wrong way. Yeah. So she's like face down in the snow. And then there's like a panel of just that's white that I assume is the avalanche. And then it's like a close-up of her, like turning around, looking, and being like, "What happened? What happened?" You know? So, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. They kind of set it up so, like, she didn't exactly see what happened, which is kind of important to later. Although, obviously, there was a baboon, and uh, people be buried. <laughs> we are uh, something happened. Yeah, baboon. So. Jumping on into chapter two. This is at uh, page 24, by the way. So um, we have an interesting splash that is an exact imaginary duplicate of the, the splash that was uh, page 22. On 22, it was Ken um, pointing his arms and at the snowmobile and the power surging out of him. And uh, in this one, the new uh, page, it is Ken with a bazooka, rocket launcher, possibly a flamethrower. Um, <laughs> and he's like proudly standing there aiming it at a guy on skis who is immediately being crisped into a skeleton. So it's, it's as if he is justice, I guess. And uh, it's like the panel. <laughs> yeah, Ariane is um, sort of facing the right way to see all this and uh, is like on the ground holding her, her face like, no, no, and no, stop, no. I assume that's her. Um, and there's an interesting quote from Dante Gabriel Rossetti. 
Bobby Chase uh, showing off. Uh, Love literary chops. Yeah, yeah. Was it a friend or foe that spread these lies? Twas one of my most intimate enemies. That's the name of the book. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. Dun dun dun. Gold finger. <laughs> okay. This is, yeah, this is it's not exactly where like James Bond goes off the cliff and then his parachute opens up with the uh, Union Jack on it. It's just Ken screwed up again. I don't know. Anyway, so page uh, 25, a.k.a. 2, is Arian uh, sitting up uh, in bed. No, stop. No. Ah! And she's like, uh, like awakened from a nightmare, screaming to herself. And Ken is rushing in from outside uh, the room. Um, He's shirtless and pantsless. It's completely innocent, I guess. Ariane, <laughs> what is you would call them tidy whities, but they're red, so tidy reddies or something. Oh, Ken, Tony, in my dream, he was murdered by uh sh- you remember the avalanche? Tony was buried when those men were after us. I'm here to protect you now. And Ariane's thinking to herself, protect me from what? I can't can't remember. I guess that's gaslighting. Yeah, it quickly <laughs> becomes like a whole new weird psychological problem. It's like, I don't know, Ariane just like draws men to her and like if she had like a, a paranormal power to induce insanity, that would be <laughs> just like a like an accidental Black Widow kind of situation. Yeah, <laughs> just happens to uh, cause men to start killing each other over her. Not, not nothing she can do, you know, it's power. What are you going to do? Put me in the clinic. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah, Ken is like, I'll protect you. In the meantime, we'll be safe here at the inn. Nobody knows who we are. And uh, he starts thinking to himself, protect her. How can I tell her that I'm the murderer? By being honest, I don't know. Um, and then he starts um, the sort of rationalizing to himself again. I'll, I have to protect her from, the, from me, from the star brand power. I'll never use it again, even if it means my own death. Never again will I use it against another human being. I swear it. Kind of like if he was saying like he was never going to date other women or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we don't believe you, Ken. He means I mean, well. You can just start clocking how many panels it's going to take for that star brand to start activating again. And Ariana, she's um, burying her face in his uh, extremely uh, well-muscled chest. Is like, Ken couldn't have done it, could he? And he is uh, also thinking to himself, uh, when the shock wears off, her memory will return and What'll she do? I can't lose her. I love her. She can never know about Tony. Wow. That escalated quickly. Yeah, he's uh he's not afraid of breaking off the L word there. Interesting. Is that just part of his charm? I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, at 
Interpol in Paris. And uh, we're helpfully told that's international police. Why not the Swiss police who are headquartered in, I don't know, Zurich, Geneva, something like that? Don't Everyone know. knows the Swiss police are ineffective. Hey. <laughs> I don't know anything about the Swiss police. I'll be honest. <laughs> so we Everyone have one knows. <laughs> we have a guy, um, very European looking, uh, giving a slideshow, I guess, of um, this this avalanche, and he's talking about a small scale avalanche in Zermatt, in which two men were killed and one other injured. Seems to be very unusual. Similar to one in the USA, Pittsburgh several months ago, and an underwater oceanic explosion not that long after, all with a seismographic reading of the same magnitude. This is where we get into what we call pseudoscience, <laughs> where the writer doesn't quite understand. <laughs> they, um, they, they were all um, the same magnitude would mean the same amount of power was used um not the same type of power i guess but right they're thinking like wavelength or something might be a more appropriate pseudoscience explanation right right so they say the international geological society brought this to our attention because they wanted to ex uh, examine it and they were all explosions of tremendous volume but no trace of radiation they reek of illegal weapons testing mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting hypothesis. Um, our only link is an American <gasps> Tony Craft, <laughs> professional skier. Oh, what a relief. Pin it on um, that guy. He's a jerk. He's also from Pittsburgh, and he's now in Zurich. And uh, they, they show a picture of Tony skiing with Ariane and uh, Ken and say, like, here's his uh, girlfriend and an unidentified man who disappeared. Kraft is still in a coma. Oh, he survived. Great. Um, the other bodies were former police, and they found a payoff in one of their place for a lot of money. Um, yeah, I told you. The police, they're no good. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have no response to the Swiss police uh, <laughs> calumny. Come at me, Swiss police. <laughs> So uh, he's like, we got to find this unidentified American and the girlfriend, I guess, too. Um, meanwhile, at the headquarters of an international terrorist organization. <laughs> Cobra? Fist? I, keep, I say this every month. Fist? Yeah, oh, fist. Uh, what is it? Um, the club? The club would also work, you know. Yeah. And he, it's a uh, sketchy guy saying our mole within Interpol has given us their identities of the men who are trying to um, sell us a secret weapon for a high price. And unfortunately, we just have these photos of um, this guy, but we know who the girl is. So I want you to follow her and find out. Um, the guys here is talking to are like uh, a guy in a turban possibly a crusader and <laughs> i think steelhawk from behind so. right. 
it's like the Star Wars where they call out the Bonnie Hunters and like it's like Boba Fett with his funky helmet and like all the different alien guys. It's like a Motley crew. It's like we've got kind of a interesting visual squad of uh, terrorist hitmen. I mean, it could at least be um, oh, what is it, Gaddafi again? That was like such a big deal that he was crossing the line of death. It really would have been awesome if they had sent Steelhawk after him, though. Would have enjoyed that all immensely. He's had time to recover by now. Totally. Yeah. He'd be recovering and getting rolfed in Switzerland. Indeed. So um, that night in the inn, Ken is sneaking out while Arion's asleep. And uh, he starts hot-wiring a car. And he's, he says that uh, the guys in the auto shop taught him how to do that. And he's kind of mad at himself. Mm. Um, he goes out back to her chalet from a distance and is watching and sees like, mm, looks like military authority. Wow. Like, you know, if I were him, I'd start worrying at that point. Um, it's not like people are just investigate ordinary avalanches and suddenly there's military authorities there. I mean, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. So he's like, I hate lying to Ariane, but I can't. We can't go back now. I have to stay away from the police. She'll have to keep on thinking that she's the one who needs protection, or I'll lose her. Yeah, this is where it's a hundred percent gaslighting, and I'm doing it on purpose. What could go wrong? I'm totally reasonable to... way to start a relationship. I mean, if she wasn't like attractive and rich, you know. I wouldn't give this relationship any chance at all. As it is, you know, Ken's pretty simple, so that would be really all he needs. So he's like, "There's no way I can get any of like the evidence of my being here out." So um, a couple of sketchy guys are, see him um, sneaking around, and are like, "We'll f- keep following him and see his power, and then we'll make our move." I would probably make my move before he uses his great power if I were you, dude. But you know, he swore to never use it again, so this should be safe. So he's like, I wonder what kind of a threat the authorities think my existence is. I bet they couldn't imagine how great a potential threat the Starbrand power really is. And neither will Arion. Never. He goes home and tries to wake her up. And he says, the killers are still after us. I saw them at your house. We got to go. So she knows another place, a friend's cottage, very remote. And she's like, okay. Um, But then she's like, safer. How can I be sure? Safer from whom? But I have to trust Ken now. He's all I've got. Yeah, okay. Yeesh. Outside, people are watching them drive off, and they follow them into this new place hours later. And uh, he's like, oh, perfect. The uh, guys following her, them are like, um, we'll just keep watching from a distance. Ken says, I'm going to go outside and take a walk, clear my head. I can't really tell if this is day or night anymore. And uh, she says, don't worry, I'm going to go watch some television. Somebody must know what's happening. So we get a nice uh, TV um, a newscaster. Kraft is still in a coma, although the doctors do not believe he is brain dead. He's been burned on parts of his upper body, a phenomenon which the police has yet refused to comment on. 
burned by an avalanche? How can that be? My dreams, I remember. Ba-boom. Like him with the like, flamethrower bazooka. No, it can't be. Ken, where are you, Ken? So, yeah, she remembers that he had something that burned um, Tony. Interesting. Ken, meanwhile, has wandered off and is kind of walking around the snow and it's like, oh, I've used the star brand to hurt, maybe kill one of my best and oldest friends. It's interesting he still calls him that, but okay. Yeah, really? He kind of had it coming. Andy, if you try to kill me, I will stop thinking of you as one of my best and oldest friends. Well, when you try and kill me, I will not think stop thinking of you as one of my best and oldest friends. Oh, (laughs) man, you are a nice guy. Anyway, so Ken's like, I can never use it again. Ever. Never. Ever. Ken uses the star brand power. And he's like, uh, he's, um, yeah, yeah. Why did I ever fall in love? Um, he, he's like wandered into a lake or something, I guess. And the power has come on. Oh, well, I think, I think he, he's just walking on the snow and it's just a he's, big snowpack. And then somehow his power like melted a whole pocket of snow underneath him. So then like he falls into like a, a little pool that he made basically is what I'm getting from it. Cause I like, picture on the bottom of 30 on the left it kind of looks like he's in a little pouch of water yeah i guess i thought that like a a normal like snow field wouldn't be enough water or something like maybe if it was like a lake underneath it but maybe you're right maybe it's just the the snow around him because he's upset and it's just melted that yeah, the panel kind of looks like he's just looking at the sky, walking, and he just walks into the water. But I'm pretty—I think uh, <laughs> it's like an odd version of him, like melting his way through the snow on accident. So whatever it is, he's now like stuck in wa- frozen water, freezing water, and uh, he's like, oh, "My my emotions must have been uh, made the power come on, and the snow melted. But now I'll either drown or freeze." Mm-hmm. Ken Connell, go to blazes. Can't you just once have the strength of your own convictions? So there we are, page 30, he flies out. So how long was that? Yeah. That was a couple pages. 25 to 30. Okay. That was the <laughs> Spider-Man no more um, that of, of the star brand, I guess. Hmm. Remember no. I, that didn't last very long. I only know the cover. <laughs> yeah, it's all I know too, yes. Can only imagine it was more than a couple pages, but so Ken flies out, and this is a little hard for me to tell. But I, it seems like Ariana has followed him and sees him flying. Um, it's not really shown in the panel, so I'm kind of hard to tell or if she's these like heat lines, like that distortion of like the energy used or something. I don't know. And then the guys who've been following her, the, them, the terrorists, there it is. That's what we've been waiting for. Prepare to attack. <laughs> so genius. <laughs> Ken, Tony, I remember it was Ken. So she starts remembering somewhat better um, details of, um, although not entirely accurate, Ken pointing his arms at Tony and, and 
blasting him with something. But how? He had no gun. But he tried to kill Tony. I know it. He's not going to get the chance to kill me. So Ken's coming back inside as well. He's all wet. And uh, she's like, stay away from me. I don't even know what you are. It's like, Please let me explain. You killed your best friend. Uh, is Tony who tried to kill us. Uh, and then he blames it on the star brand. I've been given a strange power, which I don't want. See? He like just lifts himself up. Um, and, and, like flies a little into the room. Anyway, I don't think I would hurt you. I love you, but I'll take you back to Zermatt if that's what you want. So I'm thinking she's getting a little too used to the emotional ups and downs. <laughs> she's uh yeah, addicted to it at this point. Getting a bit to the uh, hysterical woman kind of trope where she's just like floundering around all the time. So now it's 2 a.m. and it's snowing and they're trudging back to the car. Ken's thinking to himself, this has got to be the worst night of my life. She won't even talk to me. And as they're heading into the gate, um, they're at the gate, he starts seeing these two cars following them. He's trying to pass us. And there's these, you know, mountain roads and there's a cliff right off there that these two cars are like start uh, dogging them. I don't know. He almost hit me, crazy fool. No, there's another. So Ken starts thinking, this will be my chance for redemption. If I don't use my power and I save Ariana. (laughs) What are you thinking, man? (laughs) World really evolves around Ken Ken Connell. Um, And she's like, okay, be careful. He's trying to cut us off. Brace. And I think he does a, a maneuver so that the two cars crash into each other. And, uh, he's, um, then pulling over, hold on. It's not over yet. Hope you're a fast runner. So he stops the car and they head it walking into the woods. Where are we going? Where do you think to hide? What do you mean? Hide? You have the power to kill him. So do it. He's like, they're probably right? following. Come on, Ken. <laughs> like, <laughs> Drop a car on them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're killers, Ken. They were just trying to kill you on the road. Um, he's saying that they're trying, they're following us. And keep quiet. And it's like, uh, let's go over there. It'll be perfect. For an ambush? No, no, a hideout. Man, she's like... She's getting a little bloodthirsty. (laughs) So these guys come with their guns, and they're looking around. And she's like, you got the power of something. Why don't you kill him? You can finally do some good and protect me. It's a chance to redeem yourself after what you did to Tony. Ouch. He's like, I can't, can't. She is getting mad. She's ye- pulling him down and yelling at her. Him. Um, they're still trying to hide, I guess. But can't what? Can't do anything because you are a coward. Coward chicken. <laughs> and um, he looks, he's like, maybe I should. Oh, they're gone. They're gone. Hurry on. I can- won't kill them. I can't kill another person. Not even for you. Coward, you could have gotten rid of them once and for all. She is, lets him have it. You could have protected me. You didn't. I trusted you. You've destroyed everything. And he's thinking to himself, but I did the right thing, didn't I? And she's like, 
storm's off. I'm not going to safe around you, blah, blah, blah. If you don't, just stay away from me. If you follow me, I'll turn you into the authorities. And he just mopes a bit. I can't lose her, but I can't force her to stay any more than I already have. Oh, time to go home. So I guess he, he just takes off from there and flies back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know, most uh, stunning climaxes of the action involve a car chase, a car crash, fleeing into the woods, and then the pursuers taking off and just giving up. And then you fight and then go home to Pittsburgh. That's yeah. I'm pretty sure that's like how most classic three act trope of uh, yeah. structure. Most uh... so final <clears throat> Pittsburgh. The next day, we have a nice shot of downtown, which is not where Ken lives, but okay. And <laughs> we have um, Ken in his apartment. We'll assume watching TV, and the TV is saying, "We interrupt Sledgehammer to bring you this eyewitness report." Near Zurich, terrorists attacked and killed a woman today in her home. She was the former girlfriend of Pittsburgh native Olympic skier Tony Kraft, who is now in a coma as a result of the bizarre skiing accident last week. Police are looking into a possible link between the two accidents. This is Ray Tannehill with a 6 o'clock eyewitness update. More news at 11. Hey, Ray Tannehill. There we go. Finally, Shooter must have left with a smile on his face, knowing that Ray Tannehill got his. Is this the one that actually looks like Ray Tannehill then? Um, To be honest, I I didn't see a photo when I Googled him up before, but I'll assume that that's a good uh, um, likeness. It's honestly pretty close to the Swiss newscaster that Ariane was watching earlier. But anyway. That was Ray so, Tannehill, not Tannehill. Uh, <laughs> Ray Tannenbaum, the German-Swiss guy. So, yeah, Ken uh, is like, what? Big shocked face. More shocked face. Tear face. And now he's just holding his face in his hands and like crying. And the the closer at the bottom is, you know, this can't be the end. Can't it? Yet it is. <laughs> Notice his apartment shrunk. Yeah, this is like a, a, a slightly um, smaller version of his apartment that we've He's seen. He's got before. like single room studio kind of thing going on here, as opposed to that big old space he's got uh, with the, uh, you know, he always has his dirt bike in it the westgate village apartments yeah those are way out in the suburbs and like when it uh shows you this shot of downtown that's uh right on the the point um i was i was thinking did did he get like a new apartment downtown that's like much smaller and less convenient maybe (laughs) um get a little bit of the poochie is left to go fight aliens in outer space vibe it's like he flies off and then watches tv and like oh she's dead (laughs) It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tannehill. By the way, for the least listeners, if you don't didn't get um, the Mike Rockowitz interview, was uh, a big thing for Shooter, this local Pittsburgh uh, newscaster, and trying to get his likeness into the um, into the book before. So 
Let yeah. me point out, by the way, at Universe News at the back, in the middle, there's a different cover for Starbrand Annual. Oh, yeah. Which is just Ken sort of flying and blasting through, like, uh, the woods, the snowy woods. Hmm. It's pretty good looking, honestly. I mean, maybe they scrapped that one because also, I don't know. I mean, they both have him using kind of like hand lasers, which is really not how his powers work. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's like considered more action to have people, you know, blowing up and stuff and the, the girl instead of just Ken kind of flying around. Who knows if he's in danger or anything, but. I would have taken that one too. It looks looks good. I like this. I can never find a bigger version of that. I like to see it. Yeah, it must be out there somewhere. Oh. There's even like a tiny signature on that little like you know stamp sized picture too. Oh, but man. it's too hard to figure out who it's from. Uh, Bogdanov. But uh, I also have an ad for the uh, Craven's Last Hunt storyline. Do and uh, as well yeah. regarded, though I've never I remember read it. it really fondly. Um, Mike Zek, who's who did the art for that, did uh, several of those Merc covers that we enjoyed. Um, I know, but there we go. Oh, that's the, the best connection I can get out of it. Yeah, but yeah, I guess that's it for Starbrand annual number one. Um, hmm. What to say about Starbrand Annual Number One? It definitely feels like this was two issues, and then they put it together and called it an annual. I'm I couldn't find it, um, but I remember there was in like the Marvel Age previews something about Ken and skiing, and written by Bobby Chase um, Mm -hmm. as like an upcoming episode. So, um, yeah, it was going to be. It seems obvious it was going to be uh, at least one issue and then instead of like they didn't want to continue with it so they thought well we'll just add on enough to fill it out and sort of round out the story into the annual yeah perhaps it's um sort of self-contained but then at the end you're like wait is there more yeah or at least it's it's kind of set up to leave like an emotional toll on ken like He's kind of like really screwed up big this time, even compared to some of the other things that have happened to him. Um, I would say it, it bothers me a little bit, though. And, and of course, you're going to get this as you're passing the book from writer to writer now. You know, though, like we had those seven issues of shooter writing. We've had some kind of fill-in-ish work uh, with eight and nine and then the annual so I feel like it doesn't quite get it right. Like it doesn't quite get his powers right. It doesn't quite get his personality. Like it, it's got it to a degree, but like he's sort of smart and competent in the, you know, beginning run where here he's kind of you know just making a lot of really bad decisions rather than just kind of worrying about and trying to think about, think through like what's going to happen or, you know, and deal with consequences. But you know, it just seems a little out of character. Yeah, he's like hyper emotional, not very rational. Um, I don't know. It's you, like, as you said before. It would also like sometimes you think of Starbrand would work as a romance comic, and so this like more <laughs> emotional and manipulative um, um, 
dark um masculine type i don't know maybe that's a thing um yeah, Chase, Bobby Chase uh, did some writing, went on to do like more editing and behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, I think she was with DC just a few years ago, so she's had a okay. long, distinguished career. But um, she was, yeah, like a group editor at Marvel, I believe, for a while. Mm-hmm. Jeff Richard, of course, I always think now of uh, his Justice work. Yep. And um, he's doing pretty well here. It's... it's um, Art's nice. Um, he's, he's, yeah, it's like a little cartoony at times. Uh, sort of sells the emotion of it, though. Yeah, my, my two favorite bits are uh, in the beginning where, like, he's eyeing up Ariane and she's kind of eyeing him back. Uh, and they're kind of thinking about how attractive they are. And then uh, there's a great... Panel. I mean, it's not real. It's it's nothing, but it resonates with me. Uh, a little panel on thirty three, where you know they don't like each other anymore, but he's kind of convinced her to to drive off before the car chase happens. And there's a panel where like he's driving and they're not speaking, and like that that speaks to me. Like if you've ever been in that long term relationship, <laughs> you go over to like a friend or like a family member's house, and there's some kind of argument, and you're driving in the car, and like you know, the person's angry with you and doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> that that fun um, awkwardness. Um, I don't know, but that, that's, life. that's the relatability of New Universe that I always like. It's just like real people plus you know wacky power situations kind of throwing everything to hell so um there's kind of good and bad here i think it's got some ups and downs (laughs) yeah some of this i mean like it doesn't have to be in switzerland it seems a little uh, over complicating the issues to 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 put it set it there you know it's like um if you watch like an old 70s, 80s uh, show, um, Six Million Dollar Man or something, oh, we've got a, something going on in Switzerland and you he's like at a ski place, but it's obviously just one around Los Angeles, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it feels sometimes. Some of this, you get a couple of nice uh, shots of the Matterhorn, but it, it's like you didn't need to do it this way, but um, all this. Uh, I guess it was when I was talking about like my my mission to Mars idea. You could you know getting Ken out of the like broke young everyman guy, like trying to put him into these weird situations becomes more difficult because he doesn't have money. He's not mm-hmm. just free to jet around the world. He doesn't say anything about his job at the mechanics uh, auto body shop in this, but whatever. Um. Yeah, yeah, other than the fact that it taught him how to hot wire cars or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny. I mean, I've I've only gone through some of the early Marvel, you know, normal universe books from the '60s, and like how clear they and consistent they are on powers when when people start up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can imagine them kind of wavering around a little until people get enough of you know a sense that it's you know from writer to writer you don't get that much confusion over what do you oh he can't do that oh okay i thought he could 
Yeah, yeah. For my money, like the best comics are always like single creative team that lasts as long as possible. You know, like ideally, you know, with cre- with characters kind of c- created by the writers to a degree too. You know, some sort of investment in there gets well, you past that like fan fictiony sort of aspect of comics writing. I think. Yeah. Yeah, as I've been brainstorming my own fan fictiony stuff anyway, but <laughs> we all have, we all have. Well, let's see. Should we give it a grade? I'm thinking solid C plus here. Okay, I'll give it a B minus. Somewhere in the middle there, probably would be good. Um, it's 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 not like a direction I would continue with star brand you can do a lot more interesting things with it but um and honestly kind of gives you a squick icky feeling some of that like manipulation he's doing on her yeah like all the characters are like super unsympathetic by the time you're done with this yeah i don't know yeah personally i don't like these kind of moral dilemmas that suddenly come up and then are you know obviously never like his desire to never to not kill and to never kill like came out of nowhere and it's gonna go nowhere so yeah yeah that's a little like just forced to make the story work right well let's see that's it for this week's episode next week we continue covering the new universe annuals one at a time and the next appearing of the four 1987 annuals is next week's sci force annual number one all right so solicitation to what's coming. What exactly happened to all the Cyforce members the day of the mysterious white event? The day they received their powers. The truth can now be told. Plus, the Cyforce accepts a new member. What? But does that mean an old member must go? Secrets is written by Danny Fingeroth and illustrated by Mark Texera. Or the short version, uh, which kind of gives away that secret, I suppose. Cyforce loses a member and gains a new one. Also, find out what all the team members experienced on the day they gained their powers. It sounds interesting. I know who they gain. I don't know who they lose. So, I will not give up Kathy. She's so mean. (laughs) That would be. I mean, I'd lose Kathy in place of Wayne. You got to keep Wayne. You got to keep Wayne. Um, Could be Wayne and the Cyforce for all I care. (laughs) Uh, let's see so until next time you can still find us at the um, website kickersinc.com you can email us if you want to jump into the uh, be a late entry in our new universe slogan contest at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com this has been the voice of the new universe and we will see you back at the spinner rack Don't throw away the duck. Yeah.